What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Super Otaku Show. What's going on? As always, we are joined by the shooting star sheriff himself, Sharif. How you doing? You already know the vibes. I'm gonna I'm gonna knock out like three times today. I'm gonna drop out of this call, but we all we're good. We're good. We're gonna have fun. We're gonna talk about anime and nerd stuff. So I'm here. There it is. The <laughs> Roman to my bear. How are you doing, Aaron? I'm doing great and having a good week. I got my second dose, so I'm 5G compatible. I'm ready to fucking go, baby. <laughs> Noise and the official fourth chair rounding out our symmetry. Taylor made Otaku. How you doing, Taylor? Let's go. What's up? Mikasa, best girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's how, that's how I'm going to do That's how I'm going to start off every podcast. Just random. <laughs> best girl. Best girl. Best girl of the week. Uh, that's going to be the new segment. Best girl of the week. <laughs> best girl of the week. I'm about, I'm, about I'm about it. I'm about it. Taylor gets a <laughs> podcast with a podcast. But we need a jingle, though. We do need a jingle. You, you need, need a, a jingle, jingle to have a podcast within a podcast. If anybody's listening, that makes good jingles. <laughs> if anyone's listening, you can let us know see over on Twitter. <laughs> Send some jingles. Yeah, boy. Can anyway, we have a jingle? <laughs> yes, we're gonna have a jingle contest. We we uh, everything's jingles all the time. Oh yes. Anyway, guys, what have you guys been watching this week? What have you been up to? What have you been into in the uh, the animeverse? Anybody got anything dope? Anything fun? Um, so I actually did go back and watch all of Megalobox proper, not just like the three episodes, and then like, yeah, like the way you said, I actually went back and just like ran it all the way through, and um, yeah. Some good ish, bro. Good ish. I'm, I'm, I'm. I really want to just go, go through and just barrel through season two. Uh, other than that, um, I did make a little bucks. Um, I did also. I read a lot of manga actually this week. Um, a lot of Spy X Family. Uh, I got into Kaiju number eight. I read like a first, the first few chapters of that. Dude, did um, I, did I get? I don't know if I told you guys this. This is gonna be like the dirtiest thing to get excited <laughs> about on the podcast. But Kaiju number eight follows us on Twitter. Holy nice. yeah! So that, that's that's like my crowning achievement right now. <laughs> I I'm I'm excited to also announce that uh, our Roman Bear Twitter is followed by a Full Metal Alchemist page. <laughs> <laughs> Just because I keep posting Full Metal Alchemist or Full Metal Alchemist vids. Now, have they watched the vid? Doubtful. <laughs> like, they don't care. They're just like this guy's promoing Full Metal. <laughs> we gotta stand. <laughs> we got someone in. Good. Oh man, uh, Taylor, Aaron, have you guys been watching anything this week or reading anything? Uh, Taylor, I'll let you go. Oh yeah, okay. Um, I actually have uh, been watching some stuff. So I watched a few more episodes of Megalobox Nomad, uh, following in Sharif's footsteps. Uh, I also watched the show that I really wanted to watch, but we couldn't include in the spring. Uh, draft lineup because we didn't know where it would be available uh i finally got around to watching odd taxi uh all six available episodes right now uh it's really good <laughs> it's so good the crunchy the writing roll? is really good uh, odd taxi the yeah, it, one with the little crunchy roll or crunchy where did roll. it end up okay so yeah it's on crunchy roll there are six i think it's six episodes right now maybe seven um really good writing animation is is playful it's kind of got that you know how like I don't know if you guys know The Amazing World of Gumball. Have you guys watched that show? Oh, yeah. From, from time to time, yes. <laughs> uh, you Never know how, like, 
<laughs> you know how in like the Amazing World of Gumball, it kind of it's kind of a mismatch of uh, different animation styles, but it really works. Odd Taxi does that to a lesser degree. Like the backgrounds of these cool little like. I don't know how I, I don't know how I would describe each art style, but like the cars are like these three D CG things. The anim, uh, the characters are like two D animation. The backgrounds are these kind of like nice pastel looking things. They do a really good job meshing all these together, and the animation is surprisingly good for how little the show seems to focus on it specifically. So, like, I don't know. One of the things I noticed, like, it's a lot of him driving around in a taxi, and there's one part where it's inside the car. Uh, like showing like part of the outside and he's doing a turn and the outside is using a 3d rotation but maintaining it's like like quirky style because it doesn't look 3d it's really good it's subtle but it's pretty impressive for what it is also the story's dope it's i i did not expect it to be like a very engaging uh murder mystery slash uh drama it's pretty cool uh, yeah. mm-hmm. All right, Taylor, what about you? What have you uh, been up to? So I finally saw the Demon Slayer movie. Hey! Oh, hey! Oh, last night. Only one who hasn't seen it. <laughs> yeah, um... No spoilers. But you, uh... You meet uh, Rin Goku, mm-hmm. one of the Hashiras, and, yeah, homie lit. Homie the about that guy life. that everybody loves. He's like the blonde fire one. He's the he's the flame yeah. hashira. Homie is homie about that action. I, I, I like homie. He he's weird, like everybody else. He's weird. <laughs> he's weird. But he's but he's he's uh he's he's uh he's dope. He's he's a real dope character. And after that, I went. I felt like reading something, mm-hmm. so I went to go read the. The uh, latest chapter of uh, Nagatoro, and um, it's very rare I get hype from reading like a manga, but I got hype from that chapter. The ending was fantastic. I can't wait. I can't wait to see where that goes. And um, after that, I watched this show called uh, Two Year Eternity. Mm-hmm. The I've show that's airing. It's, it's that. uh, yeah, it's airing uh, this season. It's um, it's hard to explain because I still don't know what the hell's going on. But I dare anybody to watch the first episode and not feel sad. Sad as shit. Oh no. Oh, it's okay. So, it's sad. It's not like downright depressing, but it's it's pretty sad. It make you go, dog. Why you're starting off like this? Yeah. Okay. But yeah, it's a, it's a really good show though. Nice. Okay. It's really interesting. All right, then. I'll have to keep that one in mind. I uh, I had a pretty, like, watching light week. I didn't really watch any shows. Like, I, I talked to the guys before the show. I was hella distracted all week. But what I did do is, I don't know if anybody remembers the manga Nisei Koi. It did get a short anime run. Uh, I never finished the last, like, 50 chapters, so I decided to just reread all of Nisei Koi. <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> Taylor, it's happening again. Um, so it was it was a time, man. Uh, yeah, the, like the last fifty to sixty chapters of that series. I, I I will give chat. I will give you guys like the base rundown. Is that it is a it's like a sitcom like harem style like anime like rom com deal. 
which normally they have shitty endings because they can't solve all the characters well. But what the mangaka did that I really dug is he took the last like 60 episodes, 60 chapters he had and give every single girl a concluding arc the way he had given them like an intro arc. And I, I liked it a lot. <laughs> All right, you guys got things to say. What? What is it? <laughs> I, it wait, Taylor, do you go or do I go? <laughs> you, you, you want me to explain it? You go, go. I, I can explain. It. So, uh, Nizakoi is uh, is one is like a manga that me and him were reading like together at the same time. Right. Whenever like a chapter would drop, we'd be like, "Oh, I got to read this chapter." Then we call each other, talk for like four hours on this on this. <laughs> On this twenty-one page chapter, that was the sequel, pre- secret prequel to this podcast. <laughs> I, yeah, pr- like pretty much. Yeah. And the thing is, I read to the end. Mm-hmm. He didn't. Oh no! <laughs> I, he, uh, I, t- I tapped out two chapters before the ending. <laughs> Dude, they, they are bro, on the show. Bro, he saw back. he saw one panel and said, "I'm done." <laughs> Wow, that's impressive. Long panel and said, "It's over. I'm done. I hate this." <laughs> oh, it's funny because like I, it was weird because like I had read the majority of the arcs. I basically read up until uh, some spoilers for like a six year old manga. Um, I read up to Marika's departure back in the day, and then I fell out of it. So like. I got up to there, and then it just like cruises through to the end, and I, I was, I was just really excited because I've seen like a, a ton of really unsatisfying, like romance manga. I think the the one that always bothered me a lot was I want to I want to say it was like Shuffle or something back in the day, I had like a not satisfying ending. I, I don't remember. It was one of the ones that was on with that. Tell me was Shuffle. See, I Shuffle's like Shuffle, his favorite. but like Shuffle's I, like right here, bro. If I recall, that's the one that I didn't like the ending because I I think one of the girls just got shafted and she was probably my favorite. Um, that so, sounds like a butt hurt fanboy problem. <laughs> Undoubtedly, that, that, that is what I, that, that is what I that's do. That's what here. I have with Nizuko. <laughs> oh no! Do, do, so so, who's your girl? Who, who who were you like rooting for? Who were you like wingman and? See, you're wrong. It's it, it's the gorilla girl all day. No, no. See, yep. Mar- I Mar- hate her. I love her so much. She's my favorite. I hate her. I she, hate her so much. She she what not once but twice fastball specials Raku across rooftops and it was amazing. Why? I don't know. It's great. They they devolve into some utter chaos at the end of that Why? show. Yeah. Why? Why is he so unbelievably violent? I don't and know. Also I... worthless. <laughs> oh. Hey. They, 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 but she, I... she becomes awesome. She has super fashion lady. I do want to ask you this one question now that you have finished it though, Scott. Um, what was your what is your favorite what 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 was your favorite arc? Oh man. Uh um, real quick. So one of the chapters that sticks out to me, it's not technically an arc. I, it's like three things. But when mm-hmm. uh, Rudy and her grandfather, uh, I don't know if you remember that, but mm. that one stuck with me. And it's such a little background thread that leads to mm. yeah. a really important background character arc. And it's 
Because I like Shu Maiko, like, a lot as a character. He's somebody I can hey. empathize with a ton. That's the homie. Because, like, he is a dude who's, like, he, he acts is like the, the, the quintessential pervert character in every anime. Poor Aaron is just out of this. Um, <laughs> uh, he acts like the quintessential, like, pervert anime character. But in reality, he's the one who sees things the most and is always caring. He just doesn't want to show, like, any vulnerability. So that's how he deals with it. And, like, he straight up says that when, when like, he talks to, to Rudy about things. And I was like, I really like him. Uh, she was the boy. She was the boy. So, I, mean, I could do a whole podcast just about, like, this. We can, we, uh, we, we have to get into that soon. But, I mean, we do, I mean, we do have a whole podcast. So, that's, it's <laughs> good news. Um, there is a lot of cooking by the way, it too, to fit with the anime kitchen thing, so. <laughs> um, yeah, uh. By the way, um, I know Sharif is watching it. Taylor, you said you were watching it as well. Is is everybody up to date on My Hero this season? Yeah, I'm not I mean, all I the way up to date. The last thing that I watched that happened is probably like three weeks ago. It's like when the like the mushroom girl showed up. Yeah, yeah. And that that's basically it. I don't care about spoilers. I'm not having that great of a time with this arc. No, I'm not either. Like, I wanted to talk about that just a smidge. I just, I, this arc yeah, has been, you can get in. I, this arc's been highly disappointing it. to me. It feels like they keep going back to this, like, tournament arc idea for full. And, like, I know they're in a school where they're specifically trained to be, you know, heroes. But it's just, like, I don't know. This, this one feels old. However, there is one thing that keeps me semi interested, and it's that randomly for no discernible reason uh they will have higher animators that are or like animation directors that are I- incredible like there is yeah. in the f- in the first fight they have and these are all characters that nobody cares about like in the first fight really <laughs> um what who is it it's zappy boy i'm sorry no we got frog girl so that are but they- frog girl's not even in the sequence they're animating so uh are they no. doing filler right now in my hair? No, it's not. No. It's not necessarily filler. They're doing it's, it's another class training one, thing. Yeah, it's class one A versus class one B for a training. Oh, arc. that. They, and it's are, like, are they not they, doing um, well? Because it was cool in the manga. It's, like, that's the thing. Like in the manga, it's like okay, everything's like well paced. But when you take off like a year and then come back to like another training arc, and it's, it's taking like, forever. Bro, like we just saw this literally three times before. Yeah, and I, honestly, I think it was like if every happens. if every episode was exactly one fight, like instead of splitting each fight up into two episodes, uh, like I'd be fine yeah. with it. But this just feels if, slow and methodical. If it if it was like the tournament arc before, when they would run through like three or four fights in like a single episode, <clears throat> and like not like drag it out until unless it's like a big one. Then yeah. it's like, okay, cool. But they're just like, yo, here's these five characters that you may or may not like. Here's two episodes of them fighting each other, trying to mm-hmm. outsmart each other, which is cool. Yeah, that's but the it's like it, it it keeps happening, and they could they could just speed past both of them. So I guess I, I'll say this because I know me and Scott stay current with the manga. Mm-hmm. So yes. Scott, you are correct. That train, that the arc that they're talking about right now, and the arc that I'm watching, is short. It's very, it's a, it's a very short arc in the manga. It's only like a handful of yeah, chapters. It's really, just but about it, introducing that new guy. Yeah, exactly. Um, what brainwash but, guy? Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we saw so, him before. He cool. Yeah. But they it, it is kind of padded out in the anime a little uh, bit. Like some of some out. of some of the fights that I'm like, this should only be an episode, or because it was only like a chapter in the manga, yeah. it's like padded out to like two episodes. So I'm just like, what it was that bumps me out of Also, he's yeah. cool and all. Like I like brainwash guy. Um and like obviously he's made some strides, but also they're like putting him up against Deku and they're trying to make it seem like, well, this will be uh, the fight of the century that's like in the intro it's like the last thing you see is like those two like facing so, off and i'm like listen um i don't know if you know what deku's been through in the last like couple of years of his life but this dude straight murdered a yakuza boss yeah, so like the, i'm in, not worried about brainwash boy <laughs> in the manga the thing is is that it's deku going up against a unique ability that he's not used to and having the team like aspect but the big thing is that it's about the brainwash guy having a chance to prove himself. It's a little more his arc than Deku's, and Deku is like yeah. the antagonist. And that was interesting, is watching him need to overcome this and have yeah. this growth. And it also shows you some flaws in the in the hero system, which is really interesting. Uh, um, but I'm I will sad say, that they're ruining like, that arc. Uh, that, I, they're not, like I said, they're not, not ruining it. It's not it's ruining just it. Slow. It's just boring. It's, yeah. it's just it's it's too slow. It's like and like a, like uh, I said, there there are moments where the animation makes up for, like, a few episodes of dullness. Because, like, this last episode, uh, whoever's animating, um, is it Ida, Idaka? Uh, his reciprocal... Yeah, Lita. Yeah. Yeah. His reciprocal mm-hmm. turbo, um, it, that part looks fucking insane. <laughs> like, yeah. that whole sequence was like, Jesus. I'm gonna have this to try and cool. catch up this week uh, so I can see what you guys are talking about. But first things first, I think we should get into some news... I only news. have two pieces, but if you guys got more, you can chime in. Uh, oh, you know I got news. <laughs> yeah, Aaron's real excited about his. I'm going to go over mine excited. real quick. Uh, one is that the Scarlet Nexus uh, video game that's coming out later this year. Uh, its anime is actually beginning on July 1st, which I was surprised that the anime is coming out before the game. Uh, that, that's that's always an interesting marketing tactic to me. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to, like checking it out to see what the lore of that world actually is um i'm i'm excited as as a as a guy who plays anime games on his channel (laughs) i'm 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 super excited for it uh just well because i was way more interested in the game before like i heard about the anime but now that there is an an they probably are going to put the anime out just to kind of get eyes on it so people be like oh go get the game so i I can see that's probably the marketing ploy there probably marketing tactic that makes sense. Uh, my other one is just that uh, the movie Bell by Mamoru Hosoda officially has release date at least in Japan. They don't like us, so we don't get one. But it's July 16th. It's the day after my birthday, so it could have been my birthday movie if Japan wasn't greedy. Gimme. <laughs> I want my Hosoda movies. They're so good. I'm going to go watch The Beast and the Boy again. That movie, bro. Dude, like, I, I like that movie so much. I watched it in, in like, two days back to back I watched it in English and then I watched it in Japanese and then like a week later I watched it again I love that movie it'd be like that uh, it'd be like that his best be project like he ever made though was uh, I mean like he's made just like nothing but hits but he, he peaked early when he made our war games the first part of the Digimon movie mm. yeah hey yo those, those are straight facts though <laughs> those are straight facts my favorite even- thing is that he then went and made that his first feature movie by just making Summer Wars our war games again. So, yeah. 
Oh, buddy. I do have one piece of little... I have a little piece of news. Uh, uh, fun fun little card game news. Scott already knows about this. But uh, Shaman King is getting a buzz. <laughs> Shaman King not only has come back with its reboot, but is getting a special collaboration with Cardfight Vanguard. So later this... Well, later in Japan, which is going to be around November-ish. So we're probably expecting ne- early next year mm-hmm. for, for the States. Um, there will not only be a Shaman King start deck that's going to be in the overdress format, which would be the current Vanguard format, but you can have a Shaman King deck and it's going to get its own Shaman King booster pack. So uh, there's going to be a whole Shaman King themed deck for Vanguard. So, which is funny because when they announced it, a lot of people were like, I like Shaman King, but I don't know what Vanguard is. So I might give it a crack. Not to mention start decks are $4 now. So like, I don't know. Cool, so, cool news. The fun fact with this, and like the, the reason that for like me and Sharif, this is kind of coming full circle, is the reason we found Vanguard is because I liked the art of the cards, and one of the arts I liked was the original Sukiyomi card line, which was drawn by the mangaka of Shaman King. So it's like fun and coming full circle for us, and they're going to get so much more money out of me with that. <laughs> Shaman King the deck. So that that was fun little uh fun little anime news that I that I got, I got this week. So that's all. All yeah. right, Aaron, go go on. Okay, you guys <laughs> you guys ready for a, a a wonderful headline right now? I'm gonna read to you the direct headline, and I might actually just read you the article because I think I could do it in under five minutes. That's too um, many minutes. You need to do it in under one or not at all. Also, oh we can't we, you can't read a whole whole article. That's stealing. Uh, <laughs> it's important though because it's so. It, all right, here's the here's the headline: Target pulls Pokemon cards from stores, citing threat to workers and customers. <laughs> yeah. Now that's a headline. Now, now if you're if you're a journalist, that's a headline that's gonna pull in the clicks. That's that's <laughs> gonna pull in the advertiser dollars. Now, the important thing you have to understand about this. Now, this headline's a litmus test. Lee, just throw this up and see how many people actually read the article. You'll see how, like, they respond differently. (laughs) Because if you read the article, this headline's a joke. This headline's just straight up the most, uh, like, (laughs) in, in, um, uh, what's the word? Irresponsible headline I've ever seen in my life. It does not, like, actually seem to care about what the story is. They're just like, oh, this is going to make a sick headline. So did because you like, do the, some research into what the like the actual full like thing that's going on is? I tried. Okay, so <laughs> I, I gotta give a little bit of background because I saw it and I thought this will be a fun headline to talk about on the show because yeah, Pokemon cards. Mm-hmm. Um, within the first paragraph or uh, the second paragraph of this article, it's already like Pokemon car- like Pokemon cards and sports cards are the thing that's like driving this insanity um because pokemon cards while having gone up in value in some areas uh sports cards are actually causing a huge craze right now like they're hyper valuable and so like target knows what's going on right now with things no no here okay so no no no, i I, you're you're about to say the pokemon cards in the cereal boxes story no i was just gonna say like this is a real thing like if you go to supermarkets like i live in not a rural part of florida but i live in a area of Florida that is generally, like, less populous. Like, it is mm-hmm. 
just outside of like vacation areas. It's mostly like retired people or people getting towards retirement. Not a lot mm-hmm. of kids. The Walmart, the Target, and uh, I think it was like Sam's Club or something. Like all of them look like they have been fucking ransacked in the car. <laughs> it's horrifying. It looks Goodness like Christ. it looks like the beginning of like a zombie movie. You know when like everybody's gone too crazy <laughs> and laid into like the drugstore. Went to get cards. Like except for it's only card. the card aisle. <laughs> Just imagining, like, somebody in the zombie apocalypse, like, going straight for the car dial. Like, guys, you're thinking short game. You're thinking, like, how am I going to eat tonight? But I'm thinking, how am I going to keep myself sane through the zombie apocalypse? <laughs> and I'm is, thinking Pokemon cards. I can't I can't remember the name of the company right now. But uh, literally, on podcasts I listen to now, like, I've been hearing ads about, like, there's this company that what they do is you can buy into a booster box that they have. And then you, like, put in, like, a an amount of money and you get like a specific type of card if that card comes up and they do like the openings on like live streams and then you can they send you the cards like they there's so much weird ass content going around based on card so, pack openings right now it's wild yeah but here's the yeah. thing so like this is what's weird about it is that like so in the story they talk about how like people buying up a fuck ton of cards because like what Scalpers collectors suck. yeah yeah, exactly. People are going to go, they're going to buy as many cards as they can, hope to get the rare ones, and then, you know, sell those for an inflated price. It seems like basic shit people do with plenty of other collectible items, especially when they're doing, like, promotions. Uh, like, Pokemon Now is doing, like, something with, like, a couple of rare cards. Like, the cereal box story. <laughs> oh, that's my favorite line in here is, like, people are ravaging cereal boxes. Like, this happened, like, twice. Like, there's, like, a Twitter post... That went viral because it happened like twice. All right, so this is this is what's important about the story is that it seems to be conflating a bunch of different things together. First of all, it's already like undermining the fact that this could have been sports cards because it never actually says what really happened was a guy got jumped in the parking lot mm-hmm. of the Target. So not okay. in the Target, nowhere near the workers or anything going on. He got jumped outside in the parking lot. The guy pulled a gun and got away un- unscathed. Um, and nowhere in the article, nowhere does it cite him having bought cards or having cards on him or the people that jumped him, uh, f- like having done so for cards. What is this talking about? It's making this wild assumption that it's like they jumped him for the cards. This has gotten out of control. So they limited their card sales like in the past three weeks to one deck per person. It was like three and then they were like one. I do want to point out, chat. I need to apologize. Aaron doesn't know how hard it is out there for a collector. He's never had to live this grind. I've been jumped before. All right. Scott's going, going out there every day with his with his twenty two. Like, me and Sharif have been out there on the front lines fighting all them kids with the mad money just to get our booster box. We've been there, going in there day one. I'm pretty sure I went out with you a to, few times to find out that these guys got jobs at the store just to buy packs before we could. That happened. Yeah. Yep, so here's that the thing. Happen. I want to make this very clear. Now, Pokemon fans. As we remember from the Pokemon Go fiasco of many years ago, uh, Pokemon fans are crazy, but they're not violent. They're all kind-hearted maniacs. (laughs) That's putting it very mildly. (laughs) Right? Like, we all remember the crazy stories from Pokemon Go days. 
like people going into restricted zones and like <laughs> like coming onto military bases and shit. So it's like it's a fucking Charizard in there, man. I'm going in. There has to be finally a they found a way <laughs> to motivate to children to like a fight other people's wars. Is you yes. just put legendary Pokemon inside like enemy bases. <laughs> You just let the Pokemon <laughs> horde overwhelm their defenses. Um, and, oh, man. But, like, so, anyways, I'm sorry. I gotta, like, make one more thing about this. Um, I, I wanted to see. They had, it looked like they had a clickable link <coughs> in this article uh, linking to, like, a story about the attack specifically. Mm-hmm. So, I was like, okay, I want to look into this. I want to see if, like, anybody interviewed the person that was attacked or, like, the people that attacked him, if anybody got caught. And I click on this link, and here's the article it takes me to. Child hunting for crawdads in 1985 finds class ring, social media finds owner. Great job, CBS News. Good job making a story up, you you weird fucks. <laughs> like, irresponsible oh, reporting. Don't believe anything you read in a headline. Please Except read the articles. Pokemon cards. Those people are vicious. Be safe. <laughs> vicious, vicious card game. like it does cite this weird story in Japan about a guy that broke in like it says he roped into a store and stole $9,000 versus of uh, of Pokemon cards which is a cool story like if true king shit right there but you like you better get a Charizard for that right like <laughs> who who hears stories about people roping into stores anymore? Like, fucking Mission Impossible style. Cool set. But I want to make this very clear. The value of Pokemon cards is wildly elastic. And, like, Nina has a giant collection of Pokemon cards from her youth. Some of them very rare in those, like, specific cards you see where it's like, this card is worth $10,000. But if you actually go and look for places where you can try and sell it for that much, they're not going for that much. The reality is it's the card is only worth as much as somebody's willing to pay for it. So maybe at one point that card could be or would be worth well, yeah, $10,000. Like that's, that's cards like in general. It's collectibles. Right, right. It's only worth as much as the collector is willing to pay. But also you got to remember that when it comes to high-end collectibles, you have to have things appraised, rated, and properly protected or else it ain't worth shit. Yeah. Yep. No, that's, that's, it's, that's, a weird, it's a weird world out there. And... Uh, yeah, just just be careful because like there's a lot of people trying to convince you that your Pokemon cards are worth like a lot and they're they might not be because you haven't gotten them like you didn't keep it in the box or something in the yep. in the plastic wrapping. So, anyways, though, moving anyway. out of awful Pokemon cards. Does anybody Fun have story. any uh, last minute news? Well, um, it's uh, not, well, it's actually Pokemon related. But uh, does Taylor have news or is this just Taylor's like signaling? Are you are you dancing over there? There's me signaling that I have nose. Okay. Oh. <laughs> well, no. The only- Sharif got to go already. We don't like you. I got you. No, but um, Katie, uh, the Katy Perry uh music video oh, came yeah, out. I didn't see the- it. Oh, I saw electric a featuring. Yeah, Katy Perry featuring Pikachu. It actually says featuring Pikachu on the title, but it's the song's called Electric, and it's actually a bop. <laughs> Actually, a bop. So I don't, I don't know if you guys go check out Katy Perry, Katy Perry and Pikachu's new single for the Pokemon 25th uh, anniversary. Stay so tuned for the TikTok of me singing that song. <laughs> I want to make us a TikTok and sing along to that song just for you guys, just just for all the fans out there. 
Um, oh god. Taylor, save us from this news. Save us from the Katy Perry and the uh, Pokemon apocalypse here. Yep. So, a very popular manga just got an anime announcement for uh, fall of this year. It is uh, Komi-san Cannot Communicate. And it is, basically, it's just about a girl who just can't talk. She's, like, super, like, popular. Mm-hmm. Everybody's like, she's such a cool, cool beauty. She She's very silent. She don't talk. She doesn't talk to the peasants. And, but in reality, she's just way too shy to talk to people. Huh. So, so, I mean, so it's basically about, like, a story of her wanting to, like, make friends. Like, it's a very, like, wholesome, it's a very wholesome show. And when it was announced, I was I was happy about it. It's a cute manga. It really is. And I I also laughed because I could also hear the No Game No Life season two stands just crying at another an- something else getting announced before <laughs> season two. <laughs> no game, no life. I laughed the hardest. When Shield Hero, when it was done, got it got announced for a second and a third season. Immediately, Shield Hero blew up. Immediately, Shield Hero really did get popular. Like I, I mean, it got popular because people wanted to hate Homegirl. (laughs) (laughs) You talking about mine? (laughs) Well, I think that that is a that's a can of words to open on another day. So, let's move on to our main event. Uh, I think we got a question real quick. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, uh, Kaylin in the chat says uh, it sounds like it could be a good representation of someone with nudism, uh, which is cool. Uh, yeah, like, seeing weird and different varieties of anime come out is definitely solid. Uh, also, I'm being attacked by a baby bulldog right now, in case anybody's wondering what the hell is happening and why I'm moving slowly in my chair. Do you, do you, have, do you have Pokemon cards on you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, my bulldog He's like, I smell trained. a Charizard. <laughs> my bulldog is secretly trained to just sniff out Pokemon cards on on people. He attacks the kids all the time, and he's like, I know you have them. Give them to me. That's gonna FTK, be the next. Man. That's gonna be the next headline. Dog trained to sniff rare Pokemon cards attacks child. <laughs> oh, Turns I'm out to it. just be a regular Charizard. <laughs> <laughs> I take it. Give me that card, boy. We're gonna jump into our (laughs) We're gonna jump into our topic of the show. Uh, This week, it is brought to you by Aaron. Aaron, what are we talking about? Uh, I thought it would be kind of fun to talk about how anime is produced, how it's made, what goes on in the kitchen. Because despite the fact that. The processes for production for, like, Western media are pretty widely known. Uh, I feel like a lot of anime fans and and obviously people who don't watch anime know absolutely nothing about how anime is actually produced. And I feel like even us in the, us in the chat here can um, attest to that, is that it's, there's a lot of secretive stuff that goes on in anime production. There's... It's not widely known exactly exactly how it, things are done, how everything's made. Yeah, um, uh, I know we ran into that. When we, so uh, if anybody doesn't know, like Aaron and I make like short films when we can. Uh, we do, I do best to help him produce them, and he goes out and shoots them. And we made one called Cash Creditor Combat, 
and we definitely both like wanted it like this anime Scott Pilgrim hybrid style for it and I remember sitting with Aaron for like two hours one night while he was just trying to figure out how anime sound effects are generated because anime has a very like niche sounds like sound gallery uh, compared to like most other mediums it doesn't use a lot of the stock sounds and like a bill like things that you would expect and right there was like there wasn't a catalog there wasn't like breakdowns there was like nothing on any behind the scenes stuff about it it's like unexpectedly closed off like they just don't yeah. put it out there you can expect to find a movie with like a, a cool sound effects catalog like star wars to have an entire section dedicated on their dvds to how that how the sound effects are like done because it's a cool process it's experimental and a really interesting way but like when it comes to anime nothing not a single fucking thing about what anime sound effects make what makes them distinct like what uh like not even like guesses really about how they're made there was like literally one video i found where a guy tries to create his own anime sound effects and the opening part of the video is him explaining like there was like no information on this i checked everywhere because he's a sound effects designer and he's like i could not find a single fucking thing about how these sounds are made so he had to like um, reverse engineer like sound effects he knew and try and get like a kind of idea. It's weird, but we're kind of talking about the broad scope of how the production of anime works. So, does anybody in chat uh, have a place they think they want to start? And I think I'll make this simpler. I want to talk about the ways in which uh, Japanese animation production kind of differs from what we would. Um, associate with western animation production because there there are some pretty distinct differences well i think the the most easy target here to point out the absolute like by textbook definition wrong way to make a film production or anything uh as far as like media goes is the entirety of hayao miyazaki's process i don't know if any of you guys oh that's interesting uh, Hayao Miyazaki doesn't script anything, he just draws. <clears throat> and is sad and unhappy with the world, and draws beautiful, happy stories. <laughs> and he, he, he comes up with the script as he goes. Okay, this is kind of a hyper-specific example, because I think Hayao is the only one to do this. Yeah, he doesn't, he does not have a script, he just free free flow through a story. And Scott and I have talked about this before and how strange it is that this actually works so well is that his stories and a lot of Eastern media in general kind of has this, it doesn't think about telling stories the same way. It's not about like, I have to have this three act structure where everything comes exactly full circle. It's more of just like, these are moment to moment life things. Um, and they can function as a story because they can, it's like a character study almost. You're just like watching things flow. And he approaches the process of making the movies exactly the same. He just draws storyboards. He's like, yeah, I like that. All right, we'll, we'll do that. And he just hands them off to the rest of his production team. And they, they don't have to know. They just, they just do. Um, and it is quite unique. Uh, I, my favorite part about like Hayo is that like, I, I, he doesn't have to think too much about exactly what the implications of what he's doing are. Like, he knows what is in his heart. What's in his heart is what comes out. But, like, I remember there's a documentary where one of the members of his team asks him, like, 
hey, why doesn't um, why doesn't Gigi talk at the end of uh, um, Kiki's delivery service? Now, for you know, real people out there who've actually seen the Japanese version, uh, Kiki does not speak at the end of, or Gigi does not speak at the end of Kiki's delivery service. In the American version, he does because America sucks, and we like to ruin everything because we can't do things we don't understand um yeah. and Hayo basically just is like i don't fucking know <laughs> like figure it out yourself i don't care for what it's worth though <laughs> technically Hayao miyazaki had to green light that change you know that right does he though like i feel no, like a lot of stuff a, he's... that's a real thing he, he has ever since nausicaa in the valley of the wind he has full final say he won't okay. let anybody else do anything. <laughs> now, Nausicaa is actually a great transition into one of the very specific things that makes anime production distinct from Western production, and that is the production committee. Does anybody here know what a production committee is? That's how Hollywood works, right? There's a, everybody gets together and says, this will make the most money. No. Uh, oh, this is, is very... It, is it a group that gets together and says... These will be the most attractive big booby ladies to put in this show. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Sharif, Taylor, do you guys know what a production committee is and what their role in anime production is? A committee that's put together for production of the anime. Uh, astounding. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, my, uh, my, only, my only actual guess, my only actual guess, um, are they just like? Do they kind of like just bring people in to work on the on the anime? Kinda. Would, would you say that that's it? It's it's somewhat that. So I'll break it down. So, okay. in Western media, a production company does everything. A production company handles advertisement, cross promotion. They handle the hiring and firing of teams. They handle every process of making a piece of media and selling said piece of media. A production committee, on the other hand, is a group of basically investors. So you could have like Toyota, you could have like a company that makes bathroom supplies. And the reason they do, and, and they all come together with the anime production committee. They hire the anime production committee. And the anime production committee just handles the production side. They just handle making the anime. And that's it. They don't do anything else. Now, the reason they started doing this was because they found out, like, for one, anime is very expensive. It's an expensive process to make. And they thought, all right, well, what we can do is we can minimize the risk by all these companies who stand to make a profit from said anime only put in a small chunk of change. Now, the reward obviously isn't as big, but it's way safer. So you're not gambling on an anime completely tanking because lots of animes are made. And again, they're really expensive to make. So you're not putting all your money into it and then just getting nothing back. And the first two films that they tried this on, it started off in anime film production, was Akira and Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. <laughs> And that's when they decided, holy shit, this works really well. Now, there had been times before when doing it the opposite way, where you're just handling it all at once. You're just throwing a bunch of money and hoping for a big reward. The only th time that really works is with the largest hit production. So, like, Evangelion Neon Genesis is a great example. That anime completely took off. It took the world by storm, and they didn't really see it coming. That was a big risk, big reward moment. But other than that, like... There are like 200 animes produced every year in Japan. 
Could you imagine like thinking that any one of them was going to make it like completely big? Now you got to play that shit safe. Like so their ideal is is literally that. We're just going to play it safe. Toyota puts in money, all these people put in money and they get profit back from it. And they get the rights to merchandising and so on and so forth. That's why there are so many ridiculous anime tie-ins in Japan for like merchandise stuff that's like why is there a Captain Levi like plunger at the store? <laughs> huh? Oh, it's deter well, there is actually literally detergent with Levi on it. <laughs> I'm only kind of making this stuff up. Um but that's the basic idea of a production committee. And one of the very distinct ways in which anime production is different from uh from Western media production. Now, does anybody see maybe a potential downside to that? Well, um, well, this is just a thing that I just kind of, uh, I just kind of knew about. Well, not just knew, but I've kind of known about, like, just kind of looking into it. Is um, as far as um, because they play it safe and they uh, keep things low. Um, I, I know on the labor end of things, it's very, very taxing for animators. Um, is I know one of the biggest things is that because they try and keep costs really, really low, um, the biggest reason why um, a lot of animators don't get paid really, really well. We see this incredible talent all the time, but um, they hire a lot of freelancers and stuff like that because um, b- because to try and avoid labor laws and labor codes. Um, which I mean, uh, Aaron probably knows this a lot better than any of us because he's lived in Japan. But they're super work oriented over over that way. Um, so um, you have there's even an article. I'm not I'm not reading any articles. <laughs> not reading any articles um, about one one American um, an American animator that went and lived in and worked as an animator in Japan, and he was actually hospitalized like three several like several times. Um, I have that article pulled out. Yeah, oh, I have that article. I have like, <laughs> I have this like, is just stuff I, off. The t- you know, it's really good that you bring that up. You're actually like ten steps ahead of me. Um, in that, part of the problem is that the anime production company just gets a lump sum, and they don't get royalties. They're just like hired to do the job, and then they just fuck off. I guess. <laughs> I mean, like they're still with the studio, but like. When Sharif says these guys don't get paid a lot, uh, he's ex- he's he's wildly understating how badly a lot of these animators get paid. If you're a head animator on one of these shows, you might might be making forty thousand dollars a year. That's if you're the top dog, like top animator in this place. Yeah, whereas, you're walking around. You're a goddamn legend. That is forty thousand. About the base salary for an animator in the U.S. Right, and if you're the lowest end of that, I'm not even getting into. Free, I haven't gotten to freelancers yet because those people get major screwed. But if you're like the low end, you might be making eighteen thousand dollars a year, and the poverty rate in Japan is about twenty-one thousand dollars a year. That's their consensus of where the poverty line is. So you were living underneath the poverty line, working major long hours. We're talking like there's been a couple different people who have attested to different things, but like you can be working like 37 consecutive hours and maybe 400 hour months. Mm-hmm. Um, it's brutal. The conditions are pretty 
bad. Now, obviously, you'll hear the you'll hear the justification from them that like this is the kind of shit they love to do. Like none of these people are in it, you know, out of <laughs> or aren't looking for like fame and fortune. They just love doing it. But it does kind of suck when you can't even afford to live <laughs> like doing what you love. And Sharif brings up a great thing about freelancers. So remember how I said they get a lump sum? Well, like, all right, what if you're running out of money? Like, you don't have enough money to pay, like, a full-time staff, and you got to get the show produced. What they do is usually they hire freelancers for what's called in-between work. So, like, you have your basic sketches. you get Dragon Ball Super. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, like, you get, like, you have, like, a... uh, It's hard to describe it because I'm not an animation uh, expert. I've never worked in the animation industry, but, like... You have, like, your basic sketch line work, and then in between that and, like, what the final layout of the drawing, you have, like, in work. So, like, sharpening up lines and making, like, everything look smooth. Um, and those people get... Yeah. yeah. Do you know how much, like, they get paid? This is weird. I've never heard of this. You get paid per drawing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, I think those drawings are, like, if you equate it to what, well, like to like American dollars, it's very low per drawing. It's like it's like a dollar, yeah. like not even two dollars. It's uh, about it's about two dollars. Like if you had a perfect hundred yen to a dollar um, exchange rate, you would be getting about two dollars per drawing. Now that sounds pretty fucking cool because like think about it, uh, every second in animations about twelve drawings. Uh, if you're working on twos, which most animation does. Mm-hmm. Um, that I mean, like that sounds reasonable. Like, well, okay, hold on. Like, you're telling me I'm gonna make twenty four dollars for every second of animation. This is gonna be a thirty minute show. Uh, the kind of the problem with that is that anime is way more detailed and taxing than American animation is. It is highly detailed and specific, and it could take you an hour to do a single drawing. So now you have to think of it more as less $2 a drawing and more like $2 an hour, which, uh, which does not sound super appealing. (laughs) That is disgusting. (laughs) Right? Like, it sounds great in like this kind of nebulous sense where it's like, okay, you're looking at like the broad picture and you're like, $2 a drawing is expensive when you're thinking of the larger scope of the, the show. It's a lot of frames in a single show, like, obviously. So from the production end, like, holy shit, that's expensive. From the guy that's trying to make a living off his, like, every drawing he's making, not as, um, not as great. Like I said, animation is expensive, um, and that's what makes the issue a little complex, is that it's not enough just to say, well, pay the animators more, because that would tank a lot of uh, studios and production committees wouldn't want to... Um, wouldn't want to sign on to make the anime. Yeah. So a lot of changing like, that's a top-down thing. Yeah, like a lot of smaller studio like departments, even ones that do things in like more positive ways, talk about how if they went the route of just increasing base salary for animators, then the problem would become is that all the old like studios would become basically Hollywood, and you would have to have all these super studios that can afford to to pay all their animators top dollar. And they, but they would only make the most big, like, budget generic crap, right? Like, everything, and not that I, like, I, you get, like, everybody knows I w- love One Piece, but basically everything would have to be One Piece 
or Attack on Titan, and there could be, like, nothing else. You know, like, we couldn't get, like, a Megalobox, which is fantastic, but probably not going to bring in a ton of revenue. Um, yeah. 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 My, um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Sharif. No, I was, um, I was, I was just going to say that, uh, it, it, it's definitely an issue that, that comes from just like Japan's work culture. And I'm just, and just for, it does, this doesn't also just apply to anime. This also applies to man- mangaka as well. Uh, mangaka get paid very low for what they do. Um, so I think the only uh, one who actually has money is Toriyama. <laughs> Dragon Ball's a completely different that man, that that's man a, has like five different. successful anime and manga like that's what it took for him the guy who has the number three grossing like anime in the world also had to have like three other series that did well to be like good <laughs> yeah wild. well another figure they mention often is the uh, creator of Astro Boy well, the guy, he, uh, Osama Tezuka if anybody doesn't know is the godfather of anime and yeah. manga uh, and now, inadvertently set the precedent for all of this he, he uh, did so this is a common thing I mean like me and Aaron would probably do this if we started a production company but you don't keep doing this is that sometimes when you start a project you do it at a loss to get it made uh, and Tezuka did that with Astro Boy which led to that becoming the industry standard so sometimes anime companies will make a project and lose money on the production and have no way to like procure additional income from the project which so is wild ironically the anime industry in japan is basically what's going on with the vfx industry here in america well and of course abroad there's a lot of vfx houses operating all over the world but the problem is basically like okay so just like you have an anime studio that gets contracted out by a production committee, VFX houses are um, contracted out by Hollywood studios. And uh, like I said before, they get paid a lump sum to do this massive amount of work. Uh, and they don't reap any of the benefits of that. That's, that's the only money they'll ever see. There's no royalties involved. Like an actor gets royalties when he's in a film but a vfx artist doesn't uh and i don't know if you guys have watched many movies lately but vfx make up almost the entirety of most movies now and without it you would basically have uh, actors walking around on a blue screen which would be an interesting stage play uh don't get me wrong very highly experimental (laughs) stage play of just like two actors just like shouting at each other on a blue screen that's how you get star wars uh the prequels yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> yep. If you actually, I would actually buy a copy of uh, the Star Wars prequel movies with none of the VFX work done for them. I think that'd be really cool. All the sound effects and shit still in there. Like everything else is in there, but just not the effects. So it's literally the whole movie is just a blue screen and the actors, and you would just hear weird sounds coming from everywhere. <laughs> Um, and the way I think that you could go about solving it, and this is something that's been suggested before, is that, uh, for one, the anime uh, studios would get royalties for the work they produce. Mm-hmm. Um, like, because it doesn't really make sense for the royalties to go to the production committee because the production committee is already making money off of everything else connected to the anime. So. Yeah all the merchandise they produce, everything like that, because that's what they're there for, basically. They're just there to mooch off merchandising <laughs> shit. Yeah, man. Um, and they could still be making the same profit. Um, it's just that 
you now any DVD sales because currently like DVD sales don't even go to the anime studios. Mm-hmm. Like how crazy is that? You're buying a complete product. There is literally no part of the product you are buying that is generated by Toyota or whatever company like put in some cash for this project. But the studio that made it in, in its entirety is getting literally none of it back. Um, and currently, and the anime industry is a $19 billion industry. It's like annually. Uh, yeah, like I think last year it hit a record high of 24. Incredible. Like, and that's what makes this idea of all this like, oh, well, can't do it any other way. It's like, it's so egregious. It's like, you are making in so much bank. And you're telling me that all of the people who are involved in doing the thing that actually produces this money, the the raw product that like people are actually consuming is none of that money's going to them. That's crazy to me. <laughs> That's a crazy thing. A crazy yeah, person I mean, made that up. <laughs> I, I mean, I feel like we can all I, I mean everyone here in this in this Discord call creates some form of content so we're, we're all content creators so i guess i mean we can all vibe with the idea of like how crazy that is to make something and put hours into something and someone else is getting paid for your for your work which i mean it's, it, it's crazy i mean it's crazy to say that you can support you know and it's crazy how much um we you know as far as i do i try and support like official stuff as much as i can support the official release because saw it coming um but it's crazy well, when you do that um, when you when you do that and then like the money doesn't even go to the people the money that you put in doesn't even go to the people that you know that work at these studios that that do the raw work for the, the shows that you are consuming so yeah it, it, it is crazy um it is a crazy thing and, and it's one of those things like I always kind of wondered like like there's got to be a better way to Tack, uh, like to tackle that whole thing but it's like a whole industry so it's like the whole industry so it's not right. like a it's like the whole society so it's it's something that has to be changed from the top and then trickle and from the top down it's you know it's, i mean it sucks it, it sucks um sharif is correct in that there's a lot of cultural issues surrounding the concept of work in japan um yeah, like like in addition to japan's cultural like love of work it is also the fact that, sadly, they have an infinite workforce of guys who are like, I want to make an animu. I want yeah, to do and, that. Uh, so it's, they it's have no the, incentive like, to fix things because there's always a replacement. Right. It's the, it is the definition of exploitative because you're, you have a resource of people who like love to do a thing and you work them until they they physically or mentally cannot do it anymore because that's what happens to a lot of people there's yeah. it's not a lot of animators retiring in any traditional sense they are just straight up like well i went to the hospital three times this year and i just you know can't really come back to work anymore because mm-hmm. um, that is a thing like sharif mentioned uh, the uh, western animator who went there and tried to make things work was sent to the hospital a few times that is not an uncommon occurrence and even studios that are really great, like Madhouse is actually a studio uh, that I found an article on, like a Japanese article, uh, where they had broken like several labor codes mm-hmm. uh, in the making of their animes, like really egregious, like that, bad. 
Uh, like just the tangent off of that, that's a really crazy thing that as I was going through the articles, I found is because of the way like Japanese culture is and their dedication to work and the fact that even though it's grueling and they like die for it and it's not, it is against the law a lot of time what they're doing, they don't report it. No, like the, the, the yeah. workers don't say anything, which gives the government no incentive to stop it. Right. So like one of the, yeah. one of the things that, uh, they're, it's, it's not even really about like, oh, we just love to work and we'll do it to death. It's more like there's a culture of like, well, listen, don't make waves, man. Like, yeah, this sucks, but don't make waves. Like, that's yeah. not what we're about here. The nail that sticks out gets the hammer, that kind of thing. Like, it's a, it's a pretty hostile environment for workers to be operating in. Now, there are signs of changing ideas, um, both as anime becomes an expansive world where now western companies are now heading anime production so netflix does not do anime production like japan does Mm -hmm. so that's going to become kind of a weird competitive uh field where it's like animators are going to look to that and be like hey what the fuck man (laughs) those people get to live yeah one of the one of the things that uh netflix did they set up a program where they hired a, a small team of animators with a guaranteed like wage that was livable, uh, it's still low, but it was a guaranteed wage, and they were like newer animators uh, with a guaranteed like six month contract, and mm-hmm. like for like a Western company, that's just like normal, right? Like you don't always get paid amazing on a set, but you always get enough to like make it by and you know want to come back to set work. And so like they, these guys are starting to do that. Netflix is investing so much in anime, and I'm sure we're going to start seeing that pop up in places like. HBO Max and any of these other big streaming services that are going to become Titans. Yeah. Disney does anime, man. That's going to be... Well, and that's the problem is that, like, there's also the flip side where, like, there's a danger to, like, these Western companies which, by their own standards, are pretty egregiously exploitative and harmful to art and culture as a whole. Like, I do not want to see all things become consolidated under Disney. I just don't. I have no desire for that. But, um... Like, there are instances in Japan as well of, like, anime studios trying different methods where, like, uh, the anime studio um, KyoAni. Is anybody familiar with KyoAni? Uh, Kyoto Animations? Um, I love KyoAni. What do they make, Taylor? Fill me in. Oh, you want the list of what they make? Yeah, yeah give yeah, me, like, like, some highlights because I, I don't know what they make. Let's see. They made Violet Evergarden. They made uh, Clanad. They made uh, Kaon. They made. Uh, they okay. they they did the animation for a Silent Voice. Uh, uh, yeah, full Metal Panic. Uh, they did. Uh, they made Full Metal Panic. Did they make Full Metal Panic? Yeah, they they did Full Metal Panic. Fumofu yeah, is my my jam. Fumofu <laughs> is the, is the jam though. Fumofu. Fumofu. They're doing things a lot smarter. So, like, for example, they have animators on the board of directors for their team. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a pretty classic thing that, like, even America has been trying to fight for for a long time is, like, you should have people who are on the front lines of your workforce be in a position to where they can help make decisions for what's going to happen to everybody else. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's a thing they're experimenting with. I also think that they are kind of experimenting with like a style of co-op um does everybody here kind of know what a co-op is no i do uh, a I worker cooperative definition for you no i mean i i don't really need one but it uh, it's kind of like 
it's essentially a business where uh, all the workers have an equal share in decision making um, for the business as a whole. Now, that doesn't mean that every worker is making every single decision, but that they e- they have an equal amount of power in the relationship within the workforce. Mm-hmm. So if you like start doing stuff that's highly exploitative of like 50% of the workers, uh, they're not going to work anymore, and they hold that power. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. if you work for Amazon, you ain't doing that shit. They're like, bye. <laughs> um, we'll get somebody else to poop in bags in our, in our drive. <laughs> um, but... So they're kind of experimenting with that style too, and I think that's really cool. Because co-ops, despite what people may think of them, are actually way more successful than traditional style businesses. Like seventy percent of traditional style businesses in the U.S. fail. Uh, they they completely fail. They go bankrupt. The number for uh, it's like the opposite for co-ops. I think it's even more that succeed. <laughs> like. Like an extremely high success rate. Um, you heard it here first, folks. Roman Bear is going to become a co-op. <laughs> actually, I would love for Roman Bear to be a co-op. If we actually had like employees and things like that, I would I would be trying to make when, this When a co-op. we get our first angel investor to drop a quarter <laughs> mil into us. Uh... Where's, where's our... Where, I know none of you guys really care about like politics, but there is um this great article where if anybody remembers the presidential election where Elizabeth Warren uh, was always like, no, I don't take um, money from like super PACs or anything. And then she said in an interview that, oh, some very supportive person uh, donated $14 million to me. Like, okay, Warren. <laughs> where, where's our where's our Warren stand? Where's that 14? <laughs> we'll take your cool 14 mil and we'll actually succeed. If you do that, we'll add cool lights to everybody's background. Oh, yeah. Everybody, if Party we get lights. 14 million dollars, everybody gets Hue lights. You heard it here first. Everybody here gets Hue Phillip lights, uh, the That'll smart be, light system. Yep, that's the big company purchase we'll make with that, that money. Yeah, we're, ooh, we can get... Guys, we can get a production committee together. We'll get Hugh Phillips to donate. Oh, God. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Oh, wait. No. Alrighty then. Well, uh, does anybody have any closing thoughts on the anime industry? We're just over an hour now, so I think it's about wrap-up time. Yeah. Um, I guess the biggest thing I would probably say is to, you know who you are when I say this. I'm just going to just make a shout out here. Everyone who likes to like like flame creators when 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 your ships don't happen and you you know you you get you you run to twitter you I, you know who you are you twitter keyboard warriors you know who you are stop it cuz like you're not really doing anything you're just disheartening artists so you know. imagine imagine you're living in a cardboard box and you just you start trending on twitter because everybody fucking hates like a random decision you made <laughs> you know like i don't know like mappa whenever they took over attack on titan and like all the titans were cg because they had like three months to make them unlike the four years it took to like do detailed drawings for like the second season that everybody loved no yeah they're definitely the problem it's their fault attack the animators (laughs) yeah so hopefully people hopefully people learn well you know if you listen to this you know podcast and it's enlightening to you like yeah yeah, if you listen to this podcast, you're based as fuck. You're cool as fuck. You, you know, you're the coolest <laughs> dude around. You would never do something like that. I know you. We love you. Yeah. You're the best. Thanks, 
Yeah, think twice before you like attack creators and stuff like that, because like that happens all the time. And our fans like, would never do such a thing, you know. So support support these people because like they literally do it for the love of the art. So literally, that's all I gotta say. All right. Well, guys, if nobody's got anything else, I think we're gonna start wrapping it up. You can find these guys off on the internet. You can find me and Aaron, of course, over at Roman Bear Productions on YouTube. You can find Sharif on YouTube at Shooting Star Sheriff, and you can find Taylor at Taylor Made Otaku on Twitter and the YouTube. Uh, and you can, of course, find the Super Otaku Show on Twitter at Super Otaku Show One or on YouTube at Roman Bear Streams, where we keep all the vids and wherever podcast services are brought to you. We, we've got them um, pretty much across the board now. We've got the Pandoras, the Spotify's, the iTunes. You, 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 you podcast it. We got it for you. Anyway, guys, it's been a ton of fun. Keep an eye out for my future Bear Katy Perry Pokemon TikToks. Until next time, <laughs> so long. <laughs> Bye, guys. It won't end.